0: Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weeknight at this time on KKLA to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. Sharing the gospel is our number one goal and the reason we are here. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, located right here in Los Angeles. During these days of uncertainty, we believe this is the perfect time to turn off what the world wants to tell us and immerse ourselves in what God has to say to us through the Holy Bible. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us tonight.
1: I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. I want to speak to you today on the subject of the woman at the well. I want to begin, if you're taking notes, by talking about the context. We did this last week. You know, whenever you read a, a passage of Scripture, you always want to know the context. And now, Jesus, uh, we're, again, we're in John chapter 4, but if you go all the way back to John chapter 2, uh, Jesus is down in Jerusalem, and he's there for the Passover feast. And when he's there, it is the story, and you can go back and read it, it's the story of where Jesus cleared the temple. He cleansed the temple. And not everyone knew a lot about Jesus at that time, but at that time, his reputation with the religious leaders started to unravel a little bit. The religious leaders of his day and age began to see Jesus as a troublemaker, and you you can figure all that out. And so that's John chapter 2. He cleanses the temple. Religious leaders are upset. Jesus is a troublemaker. Then you come to John chapter 3. There's a clandestine... Uh, meeting with Nicodemus who was a religious leader who had questions about Jesus. And at the end of John chapter 3, right before we get to John chapter 4, there's a discourse concerning John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist was also considered a troublemaker at this time. John the Baptist is troublemaker number one by the religious elite. So that when you come to John chapter four, I, I, want, I want you to see that Jesus has been in Jerusalem, he's cleansed the temple, the religious leaders think that he's a troublemaker, kind of like John the Baptist, and then we come to John chapter four. And I want to read to you just the first three verses as we begin. John chapter four, verse one, the Pharisees, they had heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. So the Pharisees heard that that troublemaker, Jesus, who cleansed the temple back there in John chapter 2, that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than that other troublemaker, John the Baptist. So verse 2, although in fact it was not Jesus who was doing the baptizing, but his disciples, verse 3, when he learned of that, he left Judea And he went back once more to Galilee. So verse 4 in your Bible, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. You see, Jesus was always at God's place at God's time doing God's will. That's the context. Then we come to point number two in your notes is what I call a country road. And the Bible says that Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. It was near a plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jacob's well, there was a well out there in the middle of nowhere, out there in the middle of the country was a well called Jacob's well. Then we come to point number three, which is called the connection or the contact. Jesus has a connection with a a woman that's at that well. I want you to look at your Bibles, John chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says that a Samaritan woman came to draw some water. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8 says his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So there wasn't really even a town there. The the town is a little bit further down that country road. And the Samaritan woman said to him in verse 9, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, Jesus overcame three hurdles. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. In spite of gender differences in spite of moral differences and in spite of racial differences Jesus began to have a conversation with this woman I want to read to you from John chapter 4 starting with verse 10 and I'll read over to verse 15 let's just read this story Jesus answered her if you knew oh if only you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink Why you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you don't even have, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is very, very deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself As did his sons and his flocks and his herds. In other words, she said, I've been coming to this well. This well has been here a long, 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 long time. Verse 13, Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She said, Sir... Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw uh, this this water from this well. So Jesus has this conversation. It's an encounter between a Samaritan woman with a broken life and the son of the living God. And then we come to the next point, which is point five. All of a sudden, Jesus throws this woman a curveball. I want to read to you what happens next. Take your Bibles, look at John chapter 4 and verse 16. He told her, go call your husband. Right in the middle of this conversation. Go call your husband and come back. I think there was a pause. I think she looked at him like, what did you say? Did did I hear that right? We're having a conversation here at the well. I I came all the way here, it's hot. I'm thirsty. We're talking about everlasting water. And all of a sudden you say, go call my husband and come back. She pauses for a moment. Then verse 17, she says these words. She says, I have no husband. I think Jesus paused. I think he gave her an opportunity to tell the rest of her story. But all she said, she didn't tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. She just told a little bit of the truth. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, then Jesus begins to tell her some things that there's no possible way that he could know. He says, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have, which is the sixth fellow, is not your husband. You're not even married to him. You are living with him. So when you say you don't have a husband, you are quite correct, to which the woman says, in verse 19, she says, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. That's a funny verse. Now, I want to tell you three quick things about this. Number one, Jesus never offers a cheap salvation. Jesus asked her for a drink of H2O. She asked a question about, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why would Jesus said. Look, if you knew who was talking to you, I could give you a drink that if you drank it, you would never thirst again. And the woman in verse 15 says, Sir, give me some of that water. She wants that water. But Jesus doesn't give it to her because there were some other issues that needed to be discussed. So when I see that Jesus doesn't give her this water immediately, It reminds me that he does not offer up cheap salvation. Number two, this is important. Jesus knows the pain in each of our hearts. This woman had to have a lot of pain in her heart being married five times. Can you imagine she's been married five times, divorced five times, and now she's living with this sixth guy. She had to experience so much loss and rejection in life. She probably thought it was just her life was always going to be a wreck. You know that she was searching for something on the inside that would satisfy her. That's why she wants that water in verse 15. This woman had to think at this point in her life that she really didn't matter to anybody. And yet Jesus reached out to her because her life did matter. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan She's living a life of immorality. She's probably feeling a lot of shame, a lot of rejection, a lot of loneliness. And yet, Jesus looked beyond all that and wondered to know that he loved her and that she did matter. Oh, there's a lot of discussion in our world today about whose life matters. Black lives matter, yes. All lives matter, yes. Babies' lives matter, yes. A police officers lives matter yes here's the only hashtag you need to know write this down in Jesus' eyes your life matters that's the point of this story that your life matters this is not just her story this is your story can we not just be honest here today that on the outside that all of us try to we like to act like we have everything together But if people really knew what was going on on the inside of our life that there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of disappointing things in there that's why jesus went through samaria that's why jesus asked her for a drink that's why jesus started up a conversation with this woman That's why Jesus revealed that he knew about her past. That's why, of course, he will eventually go to the cross. Is that he wants you to know, and he wants me to know, and he wanted that woman to know that your life matters. I want you to put this in your memory bank. Don't ever forget this. Jesus will always talk to us about our sin, not to embarrass us, but to get us to turn from it so that he can point us to a better way of life. In just a few verses, Jesus will reveal that in spite of our past, in spite of our failures, in spite of our sins, and in spite of our mistakes, that he personally, wonderfully, and lovingly cares deeply for you. This woman needed to know that someone truly valued her and cared about her. And if you're listening to me right now, you need to know that Jesus cares about you. As we close, my last point, which is really the main point of this message, is that ultimately we see that Jesus is the Christ. This man sitting there at that well who was tired, it was hot, he was thirsty, who asked for a drink. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to read this to you quickly. John chapter 4, starting with verse 20. Jesus said to this woman, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place... She said, sir, she was speaking. She said, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us to which Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Oh, write this down. That is the one truth and the only truth that matters in all of life, that matters to that woman at the well, to the woman at the mall, to the woman at the coffee shop, to the woman inside the corporate office, to the woman who's working from home, to any woman or to any man, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, which means that he's the way, he's the truth, and that he's the life and that no one can come into the Father except through Jesus. This woman had a face-to-face encounter with the Messiah, standing right there in front of her, and she didn't recognize him. She gave him a drink of water. She didn't recognize him. Had a conversation with him, face-to-face, and didn't recognize him. Oh, if she'd only realized... If she'd only realized, she could have had eternal life. And that's just as true for you today. If you've been divorced, if you're living outside of wedlock, if you're a Samaritan, if you're full of shame, if you're empty on the inside, if you're searching, if you're depressed, if you're unsure of your worth, if you think that no one cares. If you think that no one understands what you're going through, oh, listen, later on this woman comes to believe that Jesus is the Christ. She goes back into Samaria, and the Bible says that there's a revival that breaks out in Samaria, all because Jesus reached out to the woman at the well, and the woman at the well became a woman of great worth. Amen? Max Lucado tells this story. He heard this from a pastor in Brazil. Small house was simple but adequate. It consisted of one large room on a dusty street. Its red-tiled roof was one of many in this poor neighborhood on the outskirts of the Brazilian village. It was a comfortable home. Maria and her daughter Christina had done what they could do to add color to the gray walls and warmth to the hard dirt floor, an old calendar, a, a faded photograph of a relative, a wooden crucifix. The furnishings were were modest, a a pallet on either side of the room, a a wash basin, and a wood-burning stove. Maria's husband had died when Christina was an infant, and the young mother, stubbornly refusing opportunities to remarry, got a job and set out to raise her young daughter. And now, 15 years later, the worst years were over. Though Maria's salary as a maid afforded few luxuries, it was a reliable income and did provide food and clothes, and now Christina was old enough to get a job and to help out herself. Some said Christina got her independence from her mother. She recoiled at the traditional idea of marrying young and raising a family. Not that she couldn't have her pick of husbands. Her olive skin and brown eyes kept a steady stream of prospects at her door, She had an infectious way of throwing her head back and filling the room with laughter. She also had a rare magic that some women have that make every man feel like a king just by being near them. But it was her spirited curiosity that made her keep all the men at arm's length. She spoke often of going to the city. She dreamed of trading her dusty neighborhood for exciting avenues and city life. Just the thought of that horrified her mother, of course. Maria was always quick to remind Christina of the harshness of the streets, that people don't know you there, jobs are scarce, and life is cruel, and besides, if you went there, what would you do for a living? Maria knew exactly what Christina would do or would have to do for a living. That's why her heart broke when she awoke one morning to find her daughter's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone, she also knew immediately that she must, what she must do to find her, she quickly threw some clothes in a bag and she gathered up all the money she could gather and she ran out of the house and on her way to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing, some pictures. She sat in one of those photography booths. She closed the curtain and spent all that she had on pictures of herself with The purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew of her daughter, was too stubborn to give up. When pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Marie began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any place with a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes she went to all of them and at each place at each place she would leave one of her pictures taped on the bathroom mirror tacked to a hotel bulletin board fastened to the corner of a phone booth and on the back of each photo she wrote a note it wasn't too long before both the money and the pictures ran out and maria had to go back home the weary mother she wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village and it was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs her young face was tired her brown eyes no longer danced with youth but spoke of pain and fear her laughter was broken her dream had become a nightmare A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet back home, yet that little village was, in too many ways, too far away. And one day as she reached the bottom of those stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again. And there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes, they burned And her throat tightened as she walked across that room. And she removed that small photo. And she turned it over. Written on the back was this compelling invitation. Christina, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Just come home. Just come home. And she did. Oh, that's the story of John chapter 4. That no matter who we are, no matter how far into sin that we have drifted, no matter how full of guilt or shame we might feel, that there's one who loves and one who cares and one who forgives and one who restores and one who redeems. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the only person by whom you and I can be saved. Let's bow our heads for just a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I ask that this message of John 4 would touch someone's heart that has been living a life of a lie, someone whose heart has literally been broken by decisions that they have made to realize that there is a God who cares and a God who loves and a God who sent His one and only Son, Jesus, into the world so that we could have a face-to-face encounter with our redeemer and with our savior oh lord we have to come to that point in our life where we make some decisions where we're willing to turn from the things of this world and turn to the lord jesus christ and i pray if there's someone here today again who's listening and they almost feel as though they're drowning in sin and they're drowning in despair and they're drowning in depression god that they would reach for the one true savior of the world the lord jesus christ no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, that you've called us to come home. And I pray there'll be those here today who will do just that, who will come home to Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program
0: to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We have a special gift for everyone listening today to help with your daily Bible reading. It's our Anchored journal. A complete 365-day Bible reading guide and journal that will help you stay connected to God's Word throughout the coming year. It works with any version of the Bible you are currently reading. The Anchor journal comes in a choice of colors and can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as simple as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. You won't want to miss out on this limited time offer, so be sure to call right now. Our number again is 888-818-4777. The anchored Journal can also be found on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Get yourself anchored to God's Word with your personal Anchor Journal today. I'm Kyle Welch, thanking you for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.